0: And talk about all the things we care, so spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time
1: for Island State of Mind. Sip like a pirate, drink like a brewer. Drink up, me hearties, as we drive down to the Florida Keys to drink rum and beer and vodka and, uh, yes, gin. Mm. We leave Liz and her vintage mobile bar, and we drive about as far south as you can go in the continental U.S. The Florida Keys. Our destination is Isla Mirada Brewery and Distillery, located about halfway from Miami to the actual most southern point in the continental U.S. in Key West, Florida. Incidentally, that's where Hemingway lived and wrote for a brief spell. Drank a lot of hurricanes, beer I'm sure as well. Isla Mirada itself is a village encompassing six of the Florida Keys. Known for their coral reefs, definitely not a bad place to sit down and talk about beer and rum. And vodka and gin has established. Dum, dum, dum. Larissa of Isla Morada Brewery and Distillery talks about moving from mountains to beaches, unique distilling processes, and the relationship between beer, spirits, and life near the ocean. Dum, dum. Traffic starts to clear up as I drive further south past Miami. I've always heard driving the Florida Keys was beautiful. With approximately 1,700 islands to the south of me, I'm excited to keep driving. I drive past bridge after bridge after bridge, and I'm surprised at how calm the water is. I actually looked up surfing lessons earlier in the week and couldn't find any, and now I'm starting to realize why. There's no waves, but there's a lot of boats, a lot of calm blue water, And uh, pretty views all around. I spend the next two days driving up and down the Keys. It's just a a gorgeous place to visit and and take in. When it's finally time for my interview with Larissa, I'm very excited. I make it to Isla Mirada, pull up to a brightly colored building with a beautiful patio in the back. I shake hands with Larissa inside, grab my gear, and we begin to talk. I'm here with Larissa, the manager at Isla Mirada Brewing and Distilling. How's it going? It's awesome. How are you? It's awesome, too. It's awesome, too. Thank you so much for meeting with me. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got here.
0: I am a North Carolina girl. Grew up in the mountains. My parents moved to this place called Isla Mirada 12 years ago, and I started to visit and enjoyed it. I had the chance to start here about six years ago as a bartender at Islanderada Brewery. At the time, we only did one thing, yeah. and I loved it. Fell in love with the company, uh, and a year later, when I had a chance to come back, I did, and that was five years ago. And I have not looked back.
1: You have not looked back. So, what was the what was the transition then? So, it was a brewery originally. Then, what, how did it morph into a distillery?
0: It was a brewery. We started in two thousand fourteen, and our story is that a group of friends from college were fishing on a boat in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. One of them had some homebrewing experience, and a lot of them had some beers. And they sort of said, wait, why are we not a part of this craft beer thing? There's not anything really happening in the Keys at that time. And we really think that as a place that enjoys beer, we would enjoy a craft beer even more. So they founded the brewery, and a couple years into that, it was going well. And they thought. You know, at this point, breweries are getting to be more competitive. What used to count as local is a lot closer to home than it was at the time when even in Tampa, a Keys beer could be a local beer.
1: Yeah. So yeah. we
0: said, okay, what's next? And the spirits game was starting to heat up. And the same thing applied. Here's a very unique environment, very big history in the rum business.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: and why not get to be a part of that too? So I did.
1: I just wanted to chime in quick. Larissa actually brings up a fascinating point. What used to count as local is now a lot closer to home. The more places I travel to, the more accurate this statement becomes. We actually had a conversation about this in the Beers Around the World episode where we mentioned the different cities in Germany and their expertise and traditions with a certain beer style. What happened with the Kolsch in Cologne and the Oltz beer in Dusseldorf and the communities that surround and encourage and drink those brews is actually happening in a subtler way in pockets around America. A local beer in the Keys is now often from the Keys, not Tampa. A local beer in Iowa, if you're from Dubuque, on the eastern side, that's where I'm from, is going to be from Dubuque or around Dubuque, not Des Moines or even Chicago. This kind of hyper-localization is just interesting to think about. I'm not an expert at all, but it's interesting. It's a trend. Anywho. Let's uh, let's get back to Larissa, shall we? Uh, we start off by talking about their unique distilling process. Larissa, what's unique about your distilling process?
0: When we started this out, it was about introducing rum in an, kind of an, an island state of mind. That's our beer slogan, right? So, what makes a rum uh, particularly Isla morata? One thing that defines our beer flavors is clean, kind of um, crisp, nothing too extreme, very moderate, easy to drink, right? So a similar way of looking at our rum is that it is very clean. Uh, two reasons for that. One being that we do pot and column distillation. So in traditional rum making, double pot distillation leaves a lot of the esters and flavor compounds in the rum, and pot slash column distillation gets drives out more of those "quote unquote" impurities, which in rum you want uh, typically. Right. So it's almost more like a combination of a whiskey rum flavor.
1: Interesting, because
0: of the clean clean background, which is more kind of whiskey oriented and then also aging in new oak gives us a much more oak driven flavor for our barrel aged rums so people will taste them and think oh you know if you didn't tell me that was a rum i might think that that was a bourbon or i might think that that was a whiskey which has been nice because that way we appeal to those drinkers who are traditionally not rum drinkers as well as rum drinkers and because you know it kind of fits hand in hand with our ethos when it comes to to the beer and the flavors
1: that's awesome. So it's it's vodka, it's rum, and it's gin.
0: Yes, and surprisingly, one of our top-selling items is gin. We make a color-changing hibiscus gin, which is beautiful. It's a purpley-blue that turns pink when you add uh, anything acidic.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. That's so interesting. And
0: a lot of people are not gin people, but they are when they leave here. And that's really exciting. We love to introduce people to something new. And so in addition to our aged rums, our spiced rum, our silver rum, a uh, really, really lovely corn vodka and a great citrus gin, hibiscus gin is actually a huge hit for us.
1: What's the connection between drinking cocktails and I don't know if island life would be the right? I mean, there seems to be such a connection there.
0: Well, the Keys are a very laid back environment and it seems like a place where you can wake up and start drinking and no one's going to judge you. And that's something magical, <laughs> uh, especially in, in our work oriented culture today. A lot of people were attracted to coming down here to escape the normal de- definitions of life. And mm. so there is definitely a big drinking culture here. And then that also evolves with sort of the boating atmosphere where people are, you know, going to the sandbar and hanging out or kind of just uh, escaping from the day to day. So, yeah, I think when we started this, it was kind of um, a natural marriage with what the, li- the island lifestyle sort of it suggests. Yeah. Of course, we are very big on encouraging responsibility and, you know. Um, of course. As much of what we do is is being part of the community and how you know those sort of social situations bring people together for fundraising and and community events um but it was kind of like natural that sometimes when you get off the boat at the end of the day you want to switch from uh, having a beer to having a cocktail so we want to um, support both of those
1: speaking of switching from having a beer to having a cocktail as a as somebody who worked at a brewery and then a brewery and distillery what's the what's the biggest difference working at each
0: so here we kind of evolved in a in a very strange way in, in one sense, so we started out with the distillery, which was a separate entity. Um, where only spirits were sampled, and as someone who was a beer nerd, uh, I really didn't have much experience with spirits at all. Cocktails, rarely, you know, I'm the person who brings like a nice thirty-dollar bottle of beer to a party instead of a bottle of vodka or a bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, so it was something that was a little unnatural for me personally, but it was about finding the most natural way to integrate it into our experience here.
1: Mm. And for me,
0: that came from the flights. So breweries are huge with flights. That's a big part of why people like to go to breweries because they get to try different beers. So right. I said, what's the best Way to make the same applicable to cocktails.
1: Oh, and interesting.
0: So, you know, we started out doing spirit samples, and once we purchased a liquor license for the taproom side, the first thing that we started doing was really getting those cocktails onto flights. We do a lot of on draft cocktails. Mm-hmm. We do anything pretty much that we can put in a flight size vessel is available to the customer to have as a flight size pour. So so you come in here and you can do a cocktail flight, a beer flight, a mixed flight, a flight with vodka sodas that we can, a flight with frozen drinks, all the things are available. And it's eye-opening to the guest. Like that's a really cool, unique experience. It's also a big part of our kind of embracing alcohol, hard alcohol as part of the beer environment.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the history of rum in the Keys. As mentioned before in the show, the Volstead Act initiated the beginning of prohibition in the U.S. in 1920. Over time, rum smugglers, also known as rum runners, took advantage of some legal loopholes. Key West became kind of relevant because they made these loopholes easy to implement. There's a there's an invisible border wrapping around the US within 12 miles of the North American coastline and any vessel participating in illegal activity within that 12-mile space could be prosecuted under US law. However, and this is the loophole, anything done beyond this invisible line takes place in international waters and falls outside of legal jurisdiction. Over time, this line around Key West and Florida became known as rum row. These rum runners would dance alongside this edge of the border and were able to bring in literally millions of bottles of illegal spirits into the country, of which, because of the location of the Keys, it's so close to Cuba, it's so close to Caribbean countries that produce a lot of rum, rum was the most, uh, let's say, imported good (laughs) during that time. So they would drive 12 miles to secret locations, store the rum and whatever else they were carrying, uh, knickknacks and stuff and, uh, repeat. Bootleggers would then distribute the material elsewhere. Pretty cool. Side note, actually. Legend has it that in the 1950s, the Holiday Isle Tiki Bar was overstocked with rum and other liquor. So a bartender invented a drink to help ease the shelf space. He mixed white rum, dark rum, pineapple and orange juice, banana and blackberry liqueurs. Gross a little bit on their own, but altogether with a splash of grenadine, he created the Rum Runner. So, one could say Rum Runners are still around Key West to this day. Let's get back to Larissa. You guys have the biggest drink menu I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it, it's really. overwhelming
0: to a lot of people. And that's why, you know, a big part of our customer experience, our, our bartenders are guiding them through what yeah. they might like and how to put together the most unique combination of flavors that, that they might enjoy. That's and discover so interesting. Something new.
1: As somebody from North Carolina, what's your favorite part about living here? No, though you've been here for a little bit, what would you say? It's,
0: it's funny to me how the sort of small town North Carolina and small town Florida islands are so similar. Um, a lot of ecotourism, a lot of water-based tourism there it was rivers and lakes and here it's uh, obviously the ocean. I mean, I just love that on a day where I don't have to come into my favorite place to work. Um, I get to go maybe on a boat and have just a relaxed afternoon. I like that you can drive 30 minutes in one direction or another and you feel like you're kind of in a different environment. Yeah. Um, you know, going to, to marathon, going to, um, mainland Florida, not that far away. Uh, I love being able to go to see breweries in Miami. That's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of them there.
0: There are, there's some really great ones there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I actually haven't been to Miami.
0: Oh, you have to get up there. No,
1: I was in, uh, what's just North of it. Fort Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. There's some great ones there too. Yeah, there are. There are. So I have to ask you a question that I ask everybody that I think is really important. Why do you keep doing what you're doing here?
0: For me? It's about the, the people that come here. Um, I love our guests. I love the ones that come here to the Keys uh, for maybe a couple of weeks or a month every year and they stop by multiple times and they say hello every time that we know them, we know what they drink and they're our, our locals from Minnesota or our locals from Illinois or from New York, California. And I love our local locals as well, the ones we see week in and week out. And the ones from South Florida who come down every couple of weeks um, that we know as well. They're, they're what make it great. They're the people that are here that are in keys mode. Um, which keys mode. It, it is different. It is certainly, they leave a lot of the stress and worries that would maybe be burdening them on a night out in, in Miami or in, mm. in New York or in Chicago. And they're just in a great place. And for us to be able to offer them something that they're looking for and then maybe give them a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, something they weren't expecting to find, that's really what, what warms my heart.
1: Awesome. Larissa, thank you so much for meeting with me. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Well, in the keys, I asked Larissa for some recommendations. Last thing, I guess, do you have anything around here that you'd recommend doing having lived here that you would be like yes this is what you have to do if you're here
0: you have to do everything uh you have to do everything yes well my my dad who my parents moved back to north carolina this year but um up until then he owned a paddle uh paddle board stop the paddle board store store. um which is right up the street and has rentals and um sales paddle boards and kayaks and a lot of people are kind of uh hesitant about stand paddle boarding but it's such a cool way to experience the water around here to go back into the the mangroves and to go into the shallow areas. It's, it's so calm. It is very calm, and and to be able to see, you get a different angle of viewing from paddleboard than from a kayak. So mm. I recommend definitely doing that. Uh, anything having to do with snorkeling, diving, sandbar, any of the fishing, whatever water activity floats your boat. Literally, uh, you should definitely <laughs> do that. A lot of people come to the Keys looking for beaches. We're not known for them, but we do have some nice ones in Marathon and in Bahia Honda in particular. Um, and then, yeah, just going to a bar and talking to the crazy local people and getting a good experience that way is also a big part of it.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Beer Nomad podcast. If you found the show of any value, please share it with friends. Word of mouth goes a long way. Also, you can rate and subscribe. If you want to follow along visually with pictures of breweries and uh, where the van is, what it's doing, check out my Instagram at The Beer Nomad Van. As always, drink good beer or rum or gin. Or vodka. It'd be good to each other. Cheers.